Bible, if you have one, turn to the book of Proverbs, um, Proverbs chapter 18 specifically, and then we're also going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes, and then we have a couple of New Testament places that we want to go to, as we really do talk about this idea of community and, and what it looks like and what it means in the life of the church, okay? So um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I, was in, I went to Michigan and uh, was, was there with some of my family members, and we're sitting around um, just to, in my uncle's workshop, I guess, and we're just talking, whatever. And he mentions this one particular television show that I'd never seen before. And it, the show is called Alone. Have any of you watched Alone before? All right, there's only a few of you in here, um, and that's okay. It's kind of like to catch a smuggler, so we, I guess I'm watching things you're not watching. Anyway, that's okay. This show basically takes um, these, it's, it's, I guess, a reality show, and it takes a group of people, and they, they position them on Vancouver Island in Canada is where it started, and they're, they're by themselves. Not, not, they put the group there, but every individual is at least five to seven to ten miles away from anybody else. And so they literally land on this island, and they are all by themselves. And, and the goal is basically to see who can survive the longest alone. Okay? So it's, it's a very fascinating show, and I started watching it, and now I'm kind of hooked on it. You know, I'm always in that place, and you'll get hooked on it too if you start watching it, by the way. But here was the thing that really stands out. So some of the people are walking into that, and they're, they're way, like, manlier than I am. Let me just throw that out there, because I would never do this. Like, there's, there's wild bears, there's um, cougar, like, all of these animals that I would never want to come face-to-face with. I just want to be honest about that. Um, I, don't, I don't really want to sleep on the floor. That doesn't appeal to me, or the dirt, or any of that. I don't want to build my own shelter. I don't want to do any of those things. And you might want to do those things and go to the History Channel and maybe you could be the next group of people that goes out there and tries to be alone. And, and they get out there and that's what they do. Like they're, they're building their shelter. And some of them are building some incredible shelters, like from scratch, you know. One guy's, I mean, he's, he's building like a little kitchen where he can do his little thing and cook his meat and he he finds a plastic jug and so he rigs it up so that he can he can actually press on something and he gets water poured out of it so he can wash his hands i mean really fascinating stuff and some of them do some of those incredible things but what gets them almost every one of them what gets them is that they're alone it's it you know there's a few i I will admit like there's a few you're watching and they would be like me I would land on the island, and within a couple of hours, I would call and say, I'm done. <laughs> like, there, there's a few of them that don't make it through the first night, and they're making the phone call going, I'm done, and that would be me if I were out there. Um, there's a few that make it, you know, three, five, six, seven, eight days, and then they're like, I'm done. There's a few that make it like 30 days. There's a few that made it 50 days, and 60 days, and 70 days. But what usually eats away at their soul, for those that have been there the longest, what really eats away at them is the fact that they don't have people around them. Sometimes it's their family, like they just miss their family so much. Sometimes it's just a group of friends, and they're like, man, I just, I want to be around people. I'm, and you'll hear them say things like, I, I just, I need a hug from somebody. One guy went up to a tree, he's like, I just... I just need a hug. And so he's hugging a tree. And it's, I mean, it's really this fascinating thing. But what it does is it speaks to 
our human nature. Because I don't know if you remember this, but a long time ago, when the God that we believe in created this world, he looked at man and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And one of the things that you begin to realize really quickly when you spend a lot of time alone is how much you crave to be around people. Even if you're you're an introvert, even if you're one of those people that says, you know what, I don't necessarily like to be around people. Like there comes a point where when you're alone long enough, you start to feel lonely. And when you start to feel lonely, you get to that place of like, I just need some human interaction. I believe that God did create us in a way that was designed for relationships with people. I I believe that God created us to to get to this place on a human level where our interaction, yes, and as believers, it's even more intentional as you look through the scriptures and what our communities should look like in the church. In fact, you you look at that video, and one of the things that that John Little mentions, he mentions the book of Acts. And we're not going to get to the book of Acts, really, because it it would require way too much for us in one message to get there. But in the book of Acts, you're seeing the church, and there's this explosion that happens, and people are looking at the church in its uniqueness because of how they're growing in their community because of how they're serving one another, because of how they're loving one another, because of how they're caring for one another. And people on the outside that are not a part of the community of faith, they're looking at the community of faith going, wait a minute, I want to be a part of that. I want something like that in my life. And they're, they're, they're on the outside. And they're going, I'm on the outside, but I want to be a part of that. So, hey, some real simple things. So uh, our, our statement, we're talking about our values. We are Cornerstone as a series where we talk about our values. John mentioned it. I'm going to repeat it. It just simply says this. Because we believe you can't do life alone. We strive to grow in community. I've shared all of our values, or the, this is our third value, but they all are stated this way. We believe this, so this is what we're striving for. We're not perfect. We're not a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't come here, okay? We're just not that. Um, and by the way, you'll never find one either, right? But this is what we're striving for. So we do believe. We, we believe you can't do life alone. And so we're going to strive to grow in community. And community looks different, right? So one of the things we really believe in, and one of the things I, I just have, have seen in the life of our church, is, is our small groups community. That's one place in particular that I just, I continue to stand back and I'm, I'm continually impressed by how our small groups really live out three particular things, right? And that's what I want to talk about today is these three things that our groups in particular are living out, what we want to see happen in our groups. But this can also be true, not just in our small groups, but it can be true when you become part of a, a serve team. Like if you're on the greeter team, if you know you guys were all looking at the people in, this, in the tech booth this morning, weren't you? Like everybody's starting to turn around. You don't notice those guys till something's not quite right. So when the words weren't on the screen, everybody's looking around. They knew it. They fixed it. By the way, can we say thank you to them for all of that? Yep. And, and by the way, that's really, really hard to be able to fix something like that right? When everybody's watching. (laughs) So they did a great job. Proverbs 
18, verse 24, there's just this one really simple verse. And a few of these up front you've probably heard of, right? But one of the things, our desire for you in terms of community, right? Our desire for you is, is that you would find a place, and there's three things. At Cornerstone, we want you. So if you're new around here, so many of you raised your hand. I've been here less than three years. I've been here three to five years. I've been here for, I've been here for 20 years. I've been in this community for 36 years. But, but in particular at Cornerstone, my wife and I actually became members of this church before it was Cornerstone. We became members of this church in August of 2002. And so we've been here for 20 years. In fact, we were actually, both of us, we'd, I'd stopped by here a little over a week ago in the evening, and we both walked into the worship center. It was just the two of us, and, and it was just one of those moments you kind of look at and go, wow, I mean, we've been here 20 years. It seems like a long, long time. Most of my adult life has been right here. But what we want to see happen for, for you, right, in, in terms of a church, we know, like, if you've been here less than three years, if you've been here three to five years, some of you have been here for like 10 minutes, and you left behind something. You know, Jason mentioned his family's new. They've been in the community for three or four weeks now. They're, they're new. They're kind of getting used to everything that's going on. But they left something behind in order to, to come here. You left something behind when you moved here. A lot of times, if you show up here to Cornerstone, you left behind another church. I understand that. I completely understand it. You left that behind. And you're sitting here and you're going... It, it, and I will tell you this, it's going to be hard and you will never replace the church that you left. You can look far and wide and you're never going to find that exact church. You will never find it because every church is unique and distinct and we're the same way. And so one of the things that we want to see happen is we want to see you find a place. And here's the three things. And then let's look at them here. Three things are this. One is we want to we want you to find a place that you can connect in community. And that's just a really fancy way of saying we want you to find friends. We want you to find a place where you can find friends. We, we believe at, at Cornerstone, I do believe, I believe that we are a, a, a pretty friendly church. I would say that. I would say that we're a pretty friendly church. In fact, if you haven't been greeted warmly here at Cornerstone, if you will come and let me know so that I can pass the word along to others, because I do believe our folks have a genuine interest in wanting you, number one, to feel welcome. But also, they, they want to help you on your journey because they were where you are, right? So they showed up here, and they were the new person, and they didn't know anybody, and they didn't know anything, and so they want to help you. We want, to, we want you to have a place where you can find friends. So just in case you're wondering, some of you wonder, you might go, well, you know, back at my church, you know, when, somewhere in the middle of singing all of those songs, we used to turn around and greet one another, and I think we should do that here. And You're going to tell me that, and I'm going to say, that's okay, we're not going to do that here. It's a great idea, but we're not going to do that here. And here's why. Because you have plenty of time before and after the service to turn around and greet people around you. And if, and if Cornerstone, if at Cornerstone I have to tell you to turn around and greet one another, then we're missing really who we want to be as a church. We don't want to do those things because we're told to, and then the new people feel incredibly awkward because they're kind of standing there and nobody's really talking to them because you immediately went to somebody else and the new person's standing there. And they're like, man, nobody's really talking to me. So we don't want that to happen either. So we don't do it, okay? So don't, if that's an idea you have, just kind of cross it off your list of things that you might want to talk to me about, okay? We want people to find friends. Proverbs 18.24 says this, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. It's probably a, a verse that you're familiar with. 
But there's, there's that picture of understanding. Like, I mean, you've probably had some friends, quote unquote, in your life that have actually turned their back on you. Anybody had that? You just want to raise your hand, a little therapy for all of us going, I've had that, I've had that. And they just turn their back. Um, they say things that they shouldn't say about you, right? When you're not around. Sometimes they might even say it to your face, and that's, that's not any fun either. It doesn't make it any, you know, less painful, really. It just is painful. So we all, we've had that in our life. But what we really want, what I really believe all of us want, is we want that friend that's going to stick with us. That friend that's going to hang in there with us. And as you move to a new place, like many of you have moved to Bluffton, you may have left behind some really close friends where you were. And you're in this place where, hey, I've got to make new friends. And if you moved here with with kids in tow, man, that was really hard for them. I moved to this area when I was 10 years old, and I left behind some friends uh, in Michigan. And that was really hard for me to adjust. And so, hey, by the way, if your kids are struggling with that, come talk to me. I would love to share with them a little bit of my story. I cried for months before I felt like I was okay here. And I, and I do. You can ask my mom. She'll tell you the story. But we want people to find friends because we believe, right? We believe in this. We believe that there are friends that sticks closer than a brother. This is what it looks like. The book of Ecclesiastes, right? This book of wisdom, chapter four, if you'll turn there, it, it gives us this picture of, of friends, right? And so it, 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 let's just read it, right? E- Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12 is where we're going to go in this. And it's really 9 through 12. So let's just pick up in verse 9 if we can. Um, in that way, you can really see what I'm talking about. It says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Raise your hand if you've heard something along those lines before, right? You've probably heard that. Some of you are like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. It's okay. It is. And, and the person who wrote that is considered to be the wisest person who really has ever lived. And what, what he's basically saying is this, man. When you find those friends that stick closer than a brother, right? If you find those one or two people, and that's his, really what he's getting at. It's like when, when you got that, that triple braided cord. When you have that cord of three strands that's braided and woven together, like it is so strong, it's, it's nearly impossible just to break. Now you might be able to cut it with a knife and you might be able to burn it with a flame, but it, it's nearly impossible just to pull that apart. And that's what he's trying to help us understand. It's like when you find friends in your life, and you're finding those people, right? That's, uh, how does he describe it, right? We're better off together. We succeed because we're better together, right? We keep one another warm when it's cold. We can fight against different attacks because we can stand back to back and we can see what's coming and who's coming and where it's coming from and we can help and we can turn and we can fight with each other instead of fighting against each other. You know, one of the saddest things in the church today is that there are more people in the church who are fighting against one another than with one another. 
in the world, honestly. Like when I mentioned the book of Acts, and I'm telling you people are on the outside and they're looking on the inside, and they're going, in the book of Acts, they're going, man, I want to be a part of that. Well, today, people on the outside are looking at the inside, and they're going, I don't want any part of that. Because there's all that, that fighting and conflict. All those things are taking place in the life of the church. Because we're not standing back to back and fighting with one another. Instead, we've chosen to fight against one another. Churches are fighting against other churches. Church members are fighting against other church members. And it's just this really sad state of the church today. Because what you see in the book of Ecclesiastes is that we would be better and stronger together as a community of people. So at Cornerstone, we want to help you find friends. You'll be able to do that in groups. You'll be able to do that by serving on a team. You'll be able to do that through different events. We want to find people that you can, yes, stand back to back with. We want to find people that you can partner up together with. And yes, you can find success in whatever it is that you might be wanting to find success in. And you're going to be better together when you do it that way. That's the first thing. Go to the New Testament now. There's two places that I want to go. The first one is in the book of Galatians, sorry, Galatians chapter 6, Galatians 6, and one of the reasons for me, we we launched small groups in the life of Cornerstone about 10 years ago, and the way that there were just certain things in these two two verses in particular that we're going to go to now, one's in Galatians and one's in, um, in the book of 2 Timothy. And in those two places is, is where I just really started thinking about groups and how does it work when we're, we're in groups like this. And so in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, this is what Paul writes to the church. Now remember, he's writing to the church and he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path doesn't say talk about them to other people in your group talk about them to other people in the church it says you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself you realize that don't you like you realize like you're just as susceptible as the next person like, it could happen to you. You know that? And you're sitting there. You, you might want to think that it's not going to happen to you, but then you realize it could happen to you. In fact, Paul, when he's writing 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he writes and he says, you who think, right, you stand firm, be careful lest you fall. And that's kind of what he's getting at in Galatians. He's like, listen, it's not outside the realm of possibility for you to fall into the same temptation that this person that you're walking with on this journey has fallen into. So before you cast the stone, before you look down on them in judgment, you who are godly, right? You who are godly should really pursue that person and gently and humbly help this person back on the right path and be careful. Uh, not to fall into the same temptation yourself. But here's where he goes to next. He says this in verse 2. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. And <laughs> he's not finished. I love this next part. 
You're not that important. I love it. And so one of the second thing we say is we want you to find a place where you can be cared for in crisis. The word burden, it, it can mean so many different things when you talk about some, some people in their life, right? So context here, I mean, obviously he mentioned those who have kind of fallen into some temptation. Man, if, if you're one of those who is just that godly person that's walking alongside of them, then, then you do have a responsibility to come alongside of that person and you're, yeah, you're going to, as, as the more mature believer, as Paul would write later in the book of Romans, as the more mature believer, you're going to kind of help, help them stand up under the weight of that temptation. You know, you can do that. You can, you can st- help them stand under the weight of it. That's part of it. The other part of being cared for in crisis is that, man, I mean, let's just all go back to how many of you have moved here and not only did you leave behind like maybe a church family, but you left behind a family. And you had people there that you could count on. Maybe, maybe you left behind like your kids and grandkids are back there. Maybe, maybe, your, uh, maybe your parents are back there. Maybe your, maybe your uh, grandparents or your cousins or just family that you could count on and depend on. And what you realize, like you're looking around here and, and you're going, wait a minute, I don't have anybody. There's nobody here. You moved here. And this would be the story of Jason. Maybe he should be preaching this message. But it's their, their story, right? They, they left where they were. And they had built this network of friends, obviously. There. Their family is in this weird state uh, up north somewhere. It starts with an O. I can't even think of it right now. And um, it's south of Michigan, I think. It's south of Michigan. But anyway, he's from there. So he's got family up there. And then they move here, and they seven kids in tow. And they're looking around, and they're going, man. There's going to come a point, guess what? I'm just going to be real honest. There's going to come a point where Jason and Haley are going to need a date night, and they're going to need some of you to help watch the kids. Just throwing that out there. Like, it's going to be a real thing. Because they left behind what they knew. They left behind. And so, then can you imagine when, when something unexpected happens? When something unexpected happens, maybe it's they, they fall and they, 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 somebody breaks something. Maybe it's, it's that um, they just, somebody has to go into the hospital. Somebody has to have a procedure. Somebody has to have a surgery. And you begin to realize that's what we're talking about in, with a crisis. Right? I'll never forget my, uh, my kids. We have five kids myself and uh, with my wife and I. We have five kids. And so we have twins that are, that are last. Right, And so my, my twins were about 18 months old. My wife's walking down the stairs. And, uh, and she stumbles, and she breaks her ankle while she's holding one of our kids. That was a lot of fun. And, um, and so you can imagine, so not only we got five kids in our house, her grandmother is also living with us at the time. And, and, uh, and now we're very fortunate, like we're incredibly blessed because we have family here. So my parents live here at the time, her parents lived here, and so we had people that we could call. And so her parents came over, or my parents, I can't even remember now, we take Carrie to the hospital, she, but then they send her back home while she waits for surgery. And it's late in the evening, so it's probably... 11 30 12 o'clock and her pain had gotten so so bad that i had to take her back to the hospital but what am i going to do right i'm i'm home 
Her parents lived on Hilton Head at the time. My parents lived a little farther away at the time. And I needed somebody that lived really close. So I called a buddy of mine at the time. And I was like, hey, I need you and your wife to come over. It's midnight. And they did. They came over. My kids were all asleep and it was fine. But they came over. And they, and they sat in our home while I took Carrie to the hospital. And she got admitted. And then if I finally come home at like 2, 2.30 in the morning. And they go home. But you know what? We need people like that in our life. People that will care for us. And then on the other side of that, you have a church that gathers around us and rallies around us and they provided meals for us and those types of things. And that's what the church is supposed to do. And that's what it looks like to be in a community. So that when something happens to you, right, you have people that are going to come alongside of you and they're going to care for you. That's part of what I believe it means to bear one another's burdens. To come alongside and help. You know, the word encouragement, that's one of, the, one, of the word, one of the definitions of the word encouragement is actually to come alongside and help. It's just not to be a cheerleader. Sometimes it's being a cheerleader and you're doing great, you're going to do great. Sometimes it's, hey, what can I do to help? And you're going to step in and be someone that helps. We want to be a place where we're caring for people in crisis. And by the way, let me just give a big shout out to our small groups. I really don't know of another church in our area whose small groups do as good of a job as caring for one another as our groups do. I just, I don't know of them. And I don't know all the churches in our area, and I'm not, I'm not connected with all the pastors, but I'm telling you, I hear this time and time and time again, how good of a job our groups do caring for one another in crisis. And if you want to be cared for, if you want to find friends, if you want to be cared for in crisis, then you really got to step into one of our small groups. I'm telling you, you'll be blown away uh, by their ability to do that and their generosity. Last thing, and it's this. We want to be a place where people will grow spiritually. We talked last week. We said, hey, we believe that growing people change, so we strive to teach the word. Something we're, we're, we're passionate about. We want people to have a better understanding, a better grasp of the scriptures um, and, and the word of God and be able to grow spiritual. One of the ways that we believe that this happens is if you'll put yourself in a community of other believers where you're in a group where you can talk about the scriptures and you can have conversations around them. You can be, yep, sometimes you're going to be taught them in a, in a smaller group of people. Sometimes you're just going to have conversations around the scriptures. And yep, sometimes you're going to have those conversations and you're not going to all agree. And I think that's actually healthy. It's okay to not agree on everything. It's okay to have a difference of opinion, right? And, and to have those and to talk about those and have conversations in that way. And we want, because we want to see people grow up spiritually. We want to see them grow up spiritually. We, we don't want, listen, I mean, we, we talk about this thing in, in, in our discipleship strategy. We talk about a, a discipleship wheel. And I've talked about it on Sunday mornings at different times. But on this discipleship wheel, it kind of walks through like the different stages of this. And actually, you see it in the book of 1 John. If you were to go read the book of 1 John, you'll see there's people who are spiritual infants. Like, they're the people that just came to faith in Christ, and you hear them say things, and they're spiritual infants. You've got folks that are spiritual children in there. You've got, then they move along to spiritual young adults before they become spiritual parents, and it's this, this big circle. And I believe people hang out right here at the bottom. 
I believe we move from being spiritual children and sometimes we grow up and we become that spiritual young adult. And first John would say, and I applaud you young men because you're fighting against the enemy and the evil one and all those types of things. That's what he would say it there. But then what happens is we don't, we don't keep maturing. We kind of, something happens and it sets us back in our life and we go back to being a spiritual child. And you know who spiritual children are. I mean, you have children, you've, you've been around children. Have you been around children? No. You've been around children, like some of you are grandparents and parents in the room. What, what, what's one thing you know of children? Children are incredibly selfish. And if you find yourself responding in a spiritual way out of selfishness, then you're a spiritual child. And some of you are like, Ugh. we want to see you grow, so we want to see you move and become a young adult where you're standing stronger in your faith. You're fighting against the enemy. Yep, just as the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, if you're standing back to back with other people and you're fighting against the enemy and you're doing that together. We want to see that happen in your life. We want to see you grow up spiritually as a spiritual parent. You know what spiritual parents are doing? They're walking around the circle with people who aren't as mature as they are. That's what, he, that's what Paul wrote in Galatians. You who are godly, you who are godly should gently and humbly restore those who have fallen into this temptation. He would say it another way. Paul would say it another way in Romans. He would say, you who are mature should bear the burdens of those who are weak. Why? Because you want to help them grow stronger in their faith. One of the things that I say, I prayed it over this group of people. I want to see people become more and more confident in who God is. So that they're tracing his faithfulness throughout their life. And they're standing each month and each year, they're standing in greater and greater confidence in who he is. Why? Because they've grown spiritually. Because they've grown spiritually. The book of 2 Timothy, very end of Paul's life, if you want to turn there real quick. Um, chapter 2, verse 22. And this is a verse I stumbled upon when we were kind of launching into small groups about 10 years ago. It says it a little bit differently in this New Living Translation, but... You're probably familiar with some of it. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. And some of us kind of stop there. But he actually goes on and he says this. He said, instead, because that's what Paul does. So often he'll tell you to stop doing one thing and he sort of, this is the thing you should trade it out with. Here it is. He says, instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. He, this is the statement. He says, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. In fact, in, in the New American Standard, he says it this way. He would say, and pursue, right, faithfulness. Pursue righteousness. And, and the way that he says it there is along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And then when I was reading that, it just sort of jumps off the page and it says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You should not be doing those things by yourself. You, right where you are today, you have a responsibility to other people to walk with them on this journey so that both of you are growing up and maturing spiritually. 
Did you know that? Like if you were to look across the room, so many people, they, they come to church and they think it's the responsibility of the pastor. Guess what? It's not really. It's the responsibility of the church. So when Paul's writing this, he's saying, hey, you should be pursuing these things along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. It's why the writer of Hebrews would go on, not just to say, don't forsake the assembling together as some would do. He also says, you should encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that you will not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So you have a responsibility, did you know that? To encourage the other people that are sitting right here. The other people that are in, yep, that you would consider to be your friends. That would be your family. That you are encouraging them and walking with them so that they are growing up. And they are becoming stronger in their faith. Because you decided that you were going to approach your friendship, your relationship with them a little bit differently. So this is what it looks like for you. We want to help you connect, right? So a lot of our small groups are getting ready to launch. They are. And if you're someone like you're not connected in a group and you want to get connected in a group, stop by the hub or fill out the form that's on our website. And over the next couple of weeks, our team is going to work at helping you find that place where you, you can, all three of these things, right? You can find that place, all three of those things. But here's the other thing I want to challenge you with. is at the hub, and also if you're in our Cornerstone app, we put together a discipleship guide. And what I've put together this week is I've, I've given you a reading plan that goes over some of these passages and just a couple more that I've even referenced. But then what I've done is I've, I've really developed some questions that will help you, right, consider how do you take your friendships to the next level? How do you take your friendships? The, the, as you're looking through these passages of Scripture, how are you actually going to apply those things to your life and your friendships so that you are better together? Because at Cornerstone, we believe that you can't do life alone. So we are striving to grow in community. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing one more song as we close our time together. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the encouragement we have from one another, the challenge that comes from, from having friends that are going to sharpen us, that are going to help us, that are going to encourage us. Father, I pray that as a church that we would grow stronger in community, that we would find friends, that we would find a place that we can be cared for, a place that we can grow stronger spiritually. Father, because we do know that the attacks are coming. We do know that the temptations that are out there. But Lord, you've, you've given us this example in Scripture, and we know that we are better together than we are alone. So I pray that you would help us to find those people that we can stand back to back with and that we can fight against what the enemy is throwing at us. Thank you so much for your word and the truth of it that we can stand on. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.